Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whew. All right. Uh, um, episode forty-five. Is are we sure it's forty-five? Do you want to look? But I'll, I'm pretty yeah. sure it is. Oh my god! Insane. We're so close to one year. We are. I mean, what are we? What's going to be the big one-year celebration? Do we think? Um, I mean, maybe it's going to be our live show. Maybe. Well, you know, sure. I just mean. The celebration on the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the one year episode. A live recording. Maybe. I don't love a live recording okay. of a podcast. All right. I don't mind live recordings spliced into a podcast, yeah. but as an episode. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. That's also, to be clear, um, we are seven episodes away from a... um. From our one year. Oh, wow. We're close. So I'm like not Never really mind. trying to yeah. plan on yeah, I don't feel like a that. live recording. Um, okay, well, <laughs> that's, that's more where I'm at. We, me and Anya will finally make out. And that will <laughs> on be, the, on the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> That'll be your with, live recording. Anyone with misophonia, beware. <laughs> we'll give you the timestamp on how to skip it. <laughs> Mistakes. Ow. Did we confirm um, if this is 45? Yeah, it is 45. Okay, wow, yeah. So 45 episodes, 45 patrons. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Get us to 50 patrons. That is our wish. Yeah. That is our wish for, I don't know, this week? Is that crazy? No, I don't think it's crazy at all. Um, yeah, that's five people. When Okay, how about this? When we get to 50 patrons, we will officially drop... A patron exclusive merch item. Yes. Um, and regular merch is still on its way. Yes. But 50 patrons is when patron exclusive merch will drop. Um, and as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to work on that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's the goal. So if you've been waiting for a best mistakes merch item, um, maybe just like head on over to that Patreon. It's $4 for four bonus episodes a month. Yeah. Um, and exclusive merch access, allegedly, but most likely. Yes. Yes. Promised. Promise. Signed, Officially sealed, delivered. Now. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm so grateful. My heart overfloweth with the fact that we're making kind of any amount of money off of this. It's very silly. Yeah, I mean, we're living the dream of yeah. most artists yeah is to make any kind of money off of your art truly madly deeply living the dream 
Absolutely. Calling the shots. (laughs) We are our own bosses. That being said, if anyone has any leads on jobs, Jobs. (laughs) specifically, maybe some like high paying gigs. We have so many skills that can get us to Mexico. Yeah. Get us. (laughs) Get us to Mexico. Um, Yeah. For those who don't know, we are uh, our entire everyone we've ever met is going to Mexico for New Year's. So we are literally resentfully being forced to yeah. go. We're, we're like, I I'm guess like, I don't we need literally to go. Have, have to go. go. I'm like, I really don't need to do that. It's not like, you know, I'm excited. But yeah, also once I'm, we're there, I'm going to be very glad that they... For sure. But I'm just like, it didn't need to happen. No. We live in New York City. Like... We could just have a like, you know, the, there are movies about New Year's, New Year's in, New, in York. New York City. Like... And we're like, you know what? No. And we have to go to Mexico. Okay. <laughs> For sure. Um, but I will be on that plane. Yeah. No, same. It's fine. I think I have actually figured out a way that I'm going to pay for it um, because via one of our friends. So what do you mean? Um, I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast. Is a sugar it, bestie coming through? No. Well, they're not paying for my flight, but um, we'll just edit this out. <laughs> this part that I'm about to say, I think that what we're doing, if I talked about it, I think it is technically illegal. Oh, um, well, which we'll edit that not out. even say it. Well, no, I mean, it's fu- I don't actually think it, but it, you okay. know, it could be. It's mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. And we'll cut that part out. But <laughs> yes, I might with the help of a friend, I might be getting to Mexico. So I love that. OK. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Congrats. Thanks. Um, I'm still jury's still out on me. No, just kidding. I just need to um hit the pavement a little bit harder with some OnlyFans content. And honestly, you know, it's cold out now, so like making shit in my room is the vibe anyway. Yeah. So it's fine. The winter months are when I make more money on OnlyFans for that reason because yeah. I'm like more willing to actually be in my apartment and do do what needs to be done for sure. I can't believe I've now been making all of my money this way for long enough that I am like, yeah, normally during this part of the year, because um, it's almost been two years yeah, that this has been my full-time job. And now I'm hoping to make it my part-time job with the help of this podcast, yes, uh... taking the frick off. So thank you all. And for this week's Patreon episode... Tune in to hear us answer the New York Times question that leads to love of what we would change about our childhoods or our upbringings, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about our crushes mm-hmm. a little bit. We talk about um, where we were a year ago versus now. Yeah, we talk about our our lives this time last year versus now because this podcast coming up on one year um, is, you know, making us feel our feelings mm-hmm. our character arc has um really leveled up if you will yeah yes big time yeah i talk about being followed home last night by a group of random people <laughs> if you want the tea on what's spooky scary about living in a big city sometimes i talk about um complicating my life even more <laughs> through the lens of um being queer yeah. I'm absolutely obsessed with doing that to myself. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, Yeah. So head on over for that and so much more on the Patreon. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're coming up on a week since we got back from Atlanta. This time last week, we were still in Atlanta. But by the time you're listening to this, we had just gotten back from Atlanta. Yes. So you're kind of hearing us on our kind of like 
downswing of like a manic um, travel time. Also, speaking of mania, shall we address that we both oh, have bipolar yeah, too? Bipolar. Well, that's going to be my hot take. So, okay, great. But yeah, cool. We have had a similar gripe with other people. Totally. But it's been other people who have not literally said like it's been people. No, no, who, no. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm just saying for the, for the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have had the experience of other comedians referring to their like mania and us being like, oh, my God, cool. Like other bipolar comedians that are like talking about mania in their comedy and like destigmatizing mental illness um, only to find out that they just like were using manic as just like a, a description for. I don't know, being like hyper yeah. <laughs> and like partying really hard. Yeah. Um, and so we just want to clarify that we are, when we say we're manic, we're actually experiencing mania, bipolar mania, yes. bipolar too. So that's why we still sound so like ourselves and not, you know, sometimes mania means you're like truly talking to a different person. Yeah. But that's for bipolar one, which is not our, our struggle. Nope. But we have the utmost love and respect for anyone who's experiencing that type of mania. Um, and that is not the type of mania we are referring to. Yes. But our hearts are with you. Because um, <laughs> seems like it sucks. But so does... I would say, honestly, bipolar 2 mania can suck in small ways. But yeah. it is my preference out of the two states. Totally. Um, it's the depression that really fucking gets me. For sure. Yeah. And that's... Um, for me the one I experience way more frequently is the depression. And so I am slipping a little bit back into that this week, but I I'm hoping that it's just like a literal general energy depression I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. as the result of having, um, a really fun week last week. Yeah. And then also the weather just so drastically changed and I'm psyched about it, honestly. Like I love fall and I've been kind of begging for fall, but, um, I do definitely have a, a tinge of seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. And the fact that like right now as we're recording at 6 p.m. and I'm seeing the sun absolutely like mm-hmm. slip behind those buildings <laughs> and uh. fade far, far away. I'm like, or no. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of where I'm at. Where I are know. you at, bestie? I mean, I feel the same. I mean, I have sl- like definitely having a little bit of seasonal uh, depression on top of my literal depression. I think I, um, I think yesterday I started, uh, a depression, depressive, depressive episode, um, which sucks. Cause I've like been manic for almost a month now, which is the longest that I've been manic in a really long time. And it was a really, and I was aware that I was manic and it was a fun, uh, wave to be riding, but all good things must come to an end. <laughs> Um, I am now, yeah, definitely currently depressed. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe not. I'm not sure yet, but I think that I am. I mean, I, yeah, I cried in the bathroom last night for like 15 minutes. So, and I wasn't on drugs. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, totally. I'm trying to embrace the depressive episodes. I think they are like, um, in a way, you know, not to like, woo woo my mental illness away like I do think that um they're not it's not like I'm like grateful necessarily for my mania and depression or I'm trying to spin it as like that it's better that I live with this ailment but 
as long as this is my brain that I have and it's the life that I'm living, I might as well see the positive sides to it. Yeah. And it's like, it's nice that my body um, forces itself to rest because if it were up to me, I would just be manic all the time. For sure. Um, And I would like absolutely run myself into the ground. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of welcome. Like I've been sleeping a lot longer the past couple of days, like really long, long slumbers. And that's how I know I'm. it's a depressive episode mm-hmm. that I'm dealing with. Um, and at first it's easy for me to feel like down on myself about that and be like, just fucking wake up and face the day, you dumb cunt. But, um, but I'm also like, ugh, it's nice that my body is like, no rest. Like I clearly need it. Um, and if it's, you know, if we come up on, if I'm, you know, tonight and tomorrow night and like the night after I'm like still finding myself sleeping for like. 12 hours at a time that's when I will wrangle myself a little bit I think and be like you know pull it together but two nights in a row of sleeping 12 hours I think is actually um my brain taking care of my body yeah and I'm not going to be mad at it for that for sure so if anyone else is struggling with the the shift of the seasons and maybe even struggling with mental illness love mm-hmm. <laughs> um you're not alone and also you're not fucking up your life it's probably for the best that you're experiencing the natural cycles of your you know your brain's situation yeah, for sure um so yeah i'm embracing it for now and also like Okay, I just said I was kind of sad about the sun going down, but there's also something kind of cozy about being in here with the sun going down mm. and this candle burning and it's mm. like kind of cold out. Like it reminds me of when we first started the podcast yeah. and it kind of warms my little heart. Yeah. So sorry, I just like had a brain fart. Um, I just I am currently just thinking about that message that I got. As oh, I'm sorry. Talking. No, it's okay. It's just like really made me angry. Um, <laughs> Do you want to get into it? Yeah, let's get into our segments, I guess. Okay, sure. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. Uh, so my hot take is about this message. I received a message over the weekend from someone who follows me um, and apparently listens to the pod. Um, asked, it was a rambling message, which they did say, sorry if I'm rambling. So I guess thanks for that. Um <laughs> But it was them asking me if I'm actually bipolar because I talk a lot about being manic and then saying, like, if you are bipolar, then I'm sorry for this message. But also, like, I, I, the per- like the person, I hate being bipolar and, like, I don't know why you would want to be manic and it feels like you romanticize mania. And also, like, you do do a lot of hard drugs, which, like, no judgment, but, like... But judgment. But judgment because when I did hard drugs as a bipolar person, I ended up in, like, the psych ward. So I don't know how you can do that. It's really rare. But also, like, not saying that you're lying and, like, would love to be... Please don't block me. I love you and I would love to be friends if we ever meet IRL. So my hot take is that parasocial relationships are truly the, like, rot of our current society. And also... No one needs to prove to you that they have an illness. Yeah. Like whether it be a chronic illness or a mental illness. Um, And I, as we said, like we have both experienced people before that we thought were bipolar 
saying that they were and then finding out that they weren't. But I've never felt more than like a mild sense of annoyance with those people. Yeah. I've never even thought to like try to call them out for it. I've just been like, huh, that's weird. And I don't actually want to be friends with you because mm-hmm. I think that's a weird kind of gross thing to do. But like as an adult, I realize that it's not my place to ask anyone to prove anything to me mm-hmm. when it comes to what they their own narrative about themselves but yes, I am bipolar. I haven't diagnosed. I've been on meds for over... I'm not on meds right now, but at a certain point in my journey as being diagnosed, I was on meds for over a year and then chose to stop. Um, so it's just like, don't do that. Um, and I mean, that is like, you know, that is the double... The other side of like the double-edged sword of my kind of commitment to being so open as like a creative person and a comedian and a podcaster and someone like active on social media, you know, being so open about mental illness and drug use and all of it is that you also are as much as you're going to be celebrated for that, for like trying to smash that stigma in your own way, you're also going to be judged for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like on the tail end of having this like weird fucking internet bully yeah. that is obsessed with my life. Yeah. Um, and like constantly, you know, the more popular the podcast gets, the more judgment I get for like being someone who's like openly on drugs a lot. <laughs> um, and I'm just like over feeling bad about it or feeling like I shouldn't post that online or like anything at all. Um, yeah. So that's my hot take. Just like leave people alone. And if you're like thinking of sending a message and part of that message says, sorry, if I'm rambling, Look at that message and then don't press send. Like, delete it. <laughs> yeah, if part of the message is, like, apologizing for the message, like, some edits might be in order. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I get it. It's like, you know, we... Part of having part part of having something like this podcast is that we literally... And this is weird for me to, like, understand and accept. But, like, we literally have fans. There yeah. are fans of the podcast. The podcast is us. Yeah. Part of being a fan is like feeling close to somebody that you don't know and wanting to reach out to them. But like the majority of the fans on our of our podcast that reach out to us do so in like really cute, loving ways where I'm like excited to read their messages and I like want to respond. Yeah. But like doing it in that way where you're like trying to come for me and like feigning some sense of like, I don't know, some sense of like uh, concern for me. It's like really, I'm like not here for it. Yeah. So don't, just don't do that. Um, But yeah, I I am famously bipolar. (laughs) Um, Another aspect of that was that then that internet bully reached out, commented on one of our posts and brought up a time that I said I didn't really think that I was bipolar on the podcast. Yes, I did say that. I do from time to time wonder how much of that diagnosis was correct. But you like the fact that you've been diagnosed isn't yeah. taken away by the fact that you wonder if it's an accurate diagnosis. Yeah. Also, guess what? I do think I have a mood disorder. I just often wonder if it's bipolar too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it could be a whole host of shit. Also, like the words, literally the episode that they're referring to, what we're talking about is like the words we use to describe certain symptoms happen to be words like ADHD yes. or bipolar right now. But the like nature of the mental health field is that we're constantly recategorizing and Mm -hmm. changing what different symptoms mean the more research is put into like people's brains and people's behaviors. Yeah. So like what we were saying is that we aren't attached to the words bipolar Mm -hmm. and ADHD 
But our symptoms are real. Yeah. Our experiences are real. And like the words attached to them are not like the hill we're dying on. Yeah. Also. In so that, like the mania is still something you experience. Yeah. And also in that episode, I literally made a very long joke about how I'm like divesting from being bipolar and was yeah. like talking about how like, oh, because I'm saying that I'm not that I'm not, I guess. LOL. Like it's just. Yeah. It's whatever. a comedy podcast. Babe. Well, listen to that fan. I, I did not have any interaction with this fan. And like I have been a person. <laughs> I'm not talking about your bully. That bully can yeah, fuck themselves. Fuck the bully can. Yeah. The fan. The fan <laughs> that was like wondering if you're bipolar or not. Yeah. And, you know, had their own experiences with their um, relationship to their own bipolar disorder and their own mania. All of their perspective on it makes sense to me totally. and is actually relatable to me. Like totally. I've, I've had those thoughts and feelings about how other people portray parts of my life that I share, like, you know, parts of their life that I share in my life. And For I'm sure. like, I don't like the way you're representing that. Or like, I'm not sure about how you're representing that. That's all understandable. And we're not like actively mad at you for feeling those feelings. No, we're just also people. And I, yeah. we're not even, this is not an, even a big enough podcast for us to already be having the PSA right? that we're people too. Like. But like, you know, we're also people and um, a huge part of our like presence on this podcast and on Twitter is like being um, raw and honest to maybe a fault. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, understandable to feel like a closeness to us where you would want to reach out about something like that. And we just kind of like encourage you to wonder how it might feel. It took me a very long time to even publicly acknowledge that I was bipolar because I don't really love, I didn't love talking about it for a while. Um, Yeah. So... Love you, bestie, but also <laughs> don't send me a message like that again, please. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, I also don't want it to come off that we're incapable of receiving any kind of criticism. It's no, just more like away. There, there are some things that feel a little bit more personal than just like the way this is talked about can sometimes come off this way. Like we're more than open to that, that kind of feedback. Yeah. It's just more when it's like feedback about like, uh, like our, whether we're lying about yeah. something that is actually pretty hard to be vulnerable about, exactly. vulnerable about in the first place. Um, It doesn't read as it's, as if it's coming from a place of love. Yeah. It's hurtful. Yeah. That's all. Exactly. Um, um But anyway, yeah. And so your mistake, your mis- yeah. keepsake. Let's see. Um, what is my mistake? Um, I mean, I don't even know if it's a mistake because I like can't always control my brain, and that's like half of my battle as a person. <laughs> but I just found myself at like the end of this weekend, um, which I feel like has kind of bled into last weekend. It's just been like a week of like intensity, which I have loved but have then found myself in my brain trying to fu- trying to poke holes in the good intensity of it all and trying to look for like the gotcha moment or like mm-hmm. what's the what's the catch mm-hmm. um and i've just been really frustrated all summer and now fall with the fact that every time i have these long periods of like happy intensity i end it that way where i start looking for the negative in it or i'm like that can't all be real um so it's just like, yeah, not getting like getting just thought, thought, getting caught in these um, negative thought spirals 
is a mistake. And actually, yeah, it is a mistake because it's something I'm actively aware of doing. So it's like I just need to be better at when I start doing it immediately being like, we're not doing that. Yeah. But it's hard when I'm in it alone and I'm like not with a friend that I'm actively talking to about it. Yeah. We love circling the drain. Yeah. Um, um, right out of those thought spirals. Yeah. Um, my keepsake is that I, since Atlanta pride, um, I have like, I feel like I'm discovering kind of like a new love for nightlife that I Mm. did not previously have. I've always loved to party, but I mean, I lived in Providence, Rhode Island for most of my twenties. So like partying, I wasn't really partying and it like wasn't healthy, like fun partying where I felt like I was part of something larger than myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so I just like I had a weekend this weekend where I like was hanging out with one of our best friends and their kind of new crew of friends who are like all in like their late 30s and 40s, a lot of them, and like have been like in queer New York City nightlife since they moved here in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And that it's like that was really inspiring to like meet these people and kind of like see where I can be mm-hmm. in my own future because mm-hmm. often we're only around people in our like specific age group and so it's hard to like to know to, sometimes I get stuck in a place where I'm like well this has to end at some point mm. and I or, had, yeah, like to what end yeah and I had a weekend where it's like yeah I was partying and I was you know doing some drugs don't worry not the ones that I'm like not supposed to be doing <laughs> and it all felt like really sustainable in a way that I often am like, this is not a sustainable lifestyle. And it felt like, you know, I was at an afters until like 3 p.m. just like dancing to music as like DJs were just spinning their sets. And like people kept like coming in and out, like groups of people were coming in for like chunks of hours and then leaving. And we stayed for the whole thing. And at like a certain hour, people came in with like breakfast food and like Mm -hmm. coffee and there were like several bottles of like Pedialyte floating around that people were sharing with each other all while just like partying and like the whole vibe of the weekend was that like we are here to like dance our hearts out and like be together but like no one was like sloppy or like strewn in a way that was like embarrassing to be around and I kept thinking to myself that like this was one of my first weekends ever with these people like doing this where I not once did I stop and feel ashamed of what I was doing or felt like bad that like the sun was up and I was like still out I was just like yeah I'm still out and the sun is up and I don't care there's Um, something really like powerful about nightlife and the reason that nightlife is like this subculture in and of itself that like is um for like if you know you know like is has such a like vibrant and revered history and like has so much um it like feels like a open secret that this Mm -hmm. is like a whole world that if you just like dive in it's got like its entire own like the an entire because it's happening because nightlife in it in and of itself is happening on the opposite side of the day than everything else is happening it has its almost like societal structure and its Mm -hmm. own culture and its own rules. And I think the reason that nightlife is like constantly associated with like the like dark underbelly of nightlife. Like you think about like party monster, Uh the Macaulay Culkin movie that's about like that, those like murders that happened in nightlife in the nineties or like 
movies about it usually end with like the person really needing to like get their life together mm-hmm. and like finally being on the straight and narrow. And it's like associated with like not having your life together. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is because nightlife is so inherently anti the way the rest of the world works, like mm-hmm. everything about it. It's like mostly queer people in nightlife. It's mostly childless people. Mm-hmm. It's mostly people who are, um, like the community that they're fostering is in reaction to the communities they've been rejected from. Yeah. And there's something like inherently kind of like anarchist and badass and queer and like anti patriarchy and anti monogamy. And like, there's just something so against the grain, quote unquote, about like what knife nightlife really is. And Uh it's not just about like, dancing and doing drugs although that is one of the activities that is involved in some of nightlife yeah like it's it is church for some people yeah it is like a community and a like religion a godless religion yeah a leaderless religion yeah um and yeah there are some like seedy individuals who end up in nightlife because there are seedy individuals that end up everywhere but something that i find like so fucking special about nightlife is um that there is this quality of like it starts at night and it goes all the way until the afternoon the next day Mm -hmm. and like i'm a person who by because of my brain chemistry i've been doing that since i was 12 yeah regardless of what activity i've been doing in the meantime i've been awake from 8 p.m to 3 p.m the next day since i was a child yeah and all of society has rejected me for this. Like I had to drop out of high school because I couldn't sleep on the schedule that everyone else was sleeping. And there's something kind of like amazing about like embracing the like anti everything. Yeah. You know, there's like something very powerful and special to me about like being in a nightlife scenario. And I let my like natural sleeping rhythm take over and I am awake at night and asleep during the day mm-hmm. and the world that I exist in is like, hell yeah, rad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, j- it's like, it also is like, as I kind of like alluded or said a little bit on the Patreon episode, it's like coming at the tail end of all like me almost beginning my, um, or, or almost living here for two years. It'll be February. February will be two years that I, moved back to New York, which I'm like kind of done saying that. And I'm like, no, it's like when I moved here, because I'm like realizing now that like, yeah, I lived here, but I was fully a student who like didn't go out. I did not have a relationship with the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like now it's just like it's it was a weekend where I was like, oh, like I'm fully like having the year that I was supposed that I would have had possibly if I hadn't moved here for lockdown, mm-hmm. like right when lockdown happened. And it's just cool that I'm like, there's so there's just like such like a community that I was not tapped into. Yeah. Um, and it's like exciting. Yeah. I'm like it's yeah. very Malibu by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yeah. It is <laughs> but very instead Malibu. of it being about like the ocean and like the harbor and like boats, it's um techno and, and good room and, and, <laughs> and like nowadays. <laughs> and nowadays, yeah. And um like staying up with your friends all night in community and fostering true genuine relationships and it's you know it's not like the way it's depicted and talked about is as if it's just like a bunch of fucking strung out like people that like never would never talk to each other if they weren't like unsing together it's like we literally have like such intense relationships and bonds with these people and we like 
cook meals together without a single drug present yeah. in, in the daylight. Like, yeah. I promise you, these are actual relationships and I'm done with the stigma. And also people who have like, there's this idea too that it's like, well, you can only do that because you have nothing going on. And it's like... People have built their lives, lives around it. Everybody that I was with this weekend is doing something fucking major, yes. either related to nightlife or something artistic. And I was like... Also, literal, we have a neurologist friend that we... Yeah, who <laughs> literally slept, was out with us, slept and then came to the afters at <laughs> literally 5 a.m. Yeah. Shut up to the afters, him and his husband, and we're just there. And I was like, that is sick. And yeah. also it's like, we're doing shit too. Like yeah. we're among these people who are doing cool shit. We're doing shit with our lives. Yes. Don't you worry about us. <laughs> like no no one else is like, I mean, I cannot stress enough how like spiritual of an experience nightlife actually is. And like no other expression of spirituality or community is put under this amount of like a microscope of like well do you actually fucking are you really doing anything with your life when you go to church every Sunday (laughs) it's like calm down (laughs) yes I am yeah also so much of like what you can build for like any kind of like career that you want like you can build so much by just being a part of nightlife yeah it's like it's a great networking it's such a great networking tool and (laughs) I kept thinking thinking about that this weekend and being like it's like really acknowledging that like it is such a cool networking tool and being like, there are some people here that like probably have some serious clout, but I was really happy that I like didn't, that's not why I was there. Yeah. I was like, not to sound like, like a college student, but it just, it did feel like very anti-capitalist in that sense. And I was like, yeah, you probably have like, however many followers on Instagram, you're like hot shit, but like, we're just carrying right now. Yeah. That's cool. Period. Period. But also like maybe my life is going to be changed in a few years because of like forging this relationship, but also maybe not because I just like you. Exactly. And like, and that's that's fine. Yeah. And I feel like that is like the beauty of specifically New York. Yeah. That a lot of people don't understand. You know, people love to be like, I don't know how you live there or act like you live here because you just want the clout. And I'm like, both are like, yeah, you can live here and have a sustainable life. And also, yeah, there is clout everywhere. And sometimes you need that clout in this capitalist society to get where you want to be. But it's so much more than that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, whatever. Honestly, because I love New York. (laughs) Yeah. This is a pro New York podcast. (laughs) I don't know if that's become clear. My God, watch us like in our two year anniversary. We're like, so we're recording from Austin where we just moved. (laughs) My God. (laughs) Because we're besties with Joe Rogan now. And we just start talking about like all of this fervor that we just had for New York nightlife. We talk about like the fucking weird Republican oh comedy God. scene in Austin. No, if it's if we're like anywhere in two years and we're recording and we're not living in New York, I hope that it's like Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Because we have fallen even harder into nightlife. <laughs> yeah, we're like so. It's, it's, but you hear it in the background. <laughs> yeah. We're recording this from the green room from a thirty-six hour, uh, <laughs> and it's not over yet. Rave. Okay, that was another <laughs> sick part of like being in a fucking green room for part of like the uns uns party that I was at. I was like, I love this. Water bottles galore. Yeah. Absolutely hydrating myself. And that's that's another thing. Not to just like keep waxing poetic about like the nightlife scene and about the like, you know, the queer like party scene in general. Um, it's an it's a world that cares deeply about taking care of ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm like a healthier person because of there's this kind of idea like the party can only keep going if you like take care of yourself. Yeah, that's what I mean by like when I was, you know, in quotes, partying in Providence. It's like I wasn't partying. I was trying to escape the void that I felt <laughs> I was stuck in. And that was literally like doing just like 
gross amounts of like coke and like restocking on beer every four hours mm-hmm. until like four in the afternoon and like chain smoking and not being in community with each other not even fucking doing anything like literally dead behind the eyes watching like music videos and like a smoke filled yeah. bedroom <laughs> and it's like that is like the kind of partying that almost ruined my life and killed me this is something completely different and because everyone I think everyone we've talked about this everyone is so aware of like are you here with that dead look behind your eyes? If so, like, let's check in with you. Yeah. Do you yeah. like need some water? Maybe like stop doing drugs. Go. Yeah. I took five different 20 minute naps at the afters yeah. and no one bothered me. Yeah. There were people napping. Yeah. <laughs> and then like waking back up and dancing. Yeah. Well, because if you're doing it with the right people, if you're like genuinely in a like nightlife scene and not just like, like you said, like watching music videos dead behind the eyes while like somebody's <laughs> playing beer pong in one corner <laughs> yeah. and like no hate to those parties. Those parties are fun for a certain time in your life. Yeah. When you're 22, they're fun for a year. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And like truly like vibe on. You I just to start somewhere. But like they're just I don't think of them as like the same thing. I don't no, think they're it's not. like no, I know. I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't even think of it as an evolution of like oh, you go yeah. from this party to for the next sure, party. It's sure. like it's a full pivot of like attitude. It's uh, like yeah. it's like we're not just like numbing out together. We're actually like embracing the full spectrum of human emotion together and like And embracing the full spectrum of like human experience together and like checking in with each other, making sure that there's aftercare, not just at the literal after party, but the next couple of days of like, let's have a potluck and like sit and watch a movie. Let's like, let's make sure everyone is doing well with like work stuff. Does anyone need any help with like blah, 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 blah. Or like, I thought of you for this project. Mm -hmm. Like, let's keep our bank accounts healthy. Let's keep our bodies healthy. Let's keep our souls and minds healthy. And then see you on Friday for the next, next uns, uns rager. (laughs) Yeah. Because that is our church. Yep. Or their church. I don't know how much I'm embracing it fully. Is it's one of my churches. I'm, I you know, I'm, I have multi, more than one religion. Yeah, I have definitely after Atlanta Pride, I fully embraced it. Um, yeah, it's just uh, I feel like I'm exactly where I am supposed to be. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, I love that. I I think I I like reached kind of where you're at with it. Um, a few months ago when I went to that like 24 hour party. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God, I'm so excited. Yeah, that party really like changed my whole perspective on like what nightlife is like for, quote unquote. Yeah. And like what um like what partying for 24 hours actually means and like it's when I saw the like community care and the like taking like really taking care of each other and like and it wasn't just like rage on uns 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 like that it was like there was just like these cycles of like mm-hmm. going out and taking a rest and a breather and like free food being passed out and yeah. like the water station constantly being replenished yeah. and like people being in like different hammocks and corners, like away from the dance fl- floor, like talking to each other yeah. and like, but then also like absolutely losing it on the dance floor, like eyes closed. Couldn't tell you if anyone's <laughs> looking at me, just feeling the yes. music. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just incredible. And that happened to, it was like, you know, I was experiencing that at Good Room over the weekend. And then when uh, I was out at, um, I think it's called Basement, at Basement. But it was like, when we went back to the afters and it was like, at one point, just like, I don't know, maybe 11 of us. And like the sun was streaming in and our people, yes. certain people's eyes were closed. And it was like, normally, I guess you would feel self-conscious because you're not on a packed dance floor. So if your eyes are closed and you're like, uns, unsing, 
you know, anybody could be looking at you. And I was like, I don't give a fuck because no one's looking at me because no one cares because everyone here is just vibing. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is the last aspect of my keepsake is that after Atlanta Pride, I have like finally... I feel like I have grown out of this like performative need to like appear like sexy and hot on a dance floor. Mm. And you were put on this earth to vibe. vibe. And I, yeah, I've like tapped into this new sense of like why I'm even doing this shit. And it's like to vibe. To vibe. I'm absolutely vibing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say that that tangent I just went on is my hot take. Okay. Because it's more passionate than what my hot take was going to be. Yeah. So that's my hot take. Okay. Um, My keepsake this week. Um, I mean, my keepsake is really like my, I mean, it's my, my keepsake last week is kind of just still kind of spilling into this week. Like I just sort of have had a, um, epiphany over the last couple of weeks, a, about like my relationships and what I want out of certain relationships and my relationship with myself and what that relationship with self, how that informs what I want out of other relationships. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of like everything I just said is kind of some, it doesn't <laughs> amount to anything that um, tangible. I realize I'm kind of using a lot of fluffy words at the mm-hmm. moment, yeah. but Um, I guess ultimately like my keepsake kind of boils down to like, we were with some friends last night. Um, and there's all sorts of different relationships, like all sorts of different individual relationships between this like group of people. And some of those relationships are, you know, purely platonic. Some of them are roommates. Some of them are like you and me, like besties. Some Mm -hmm. of them are people that like used to hook up and don't anymore. Some of them are people who currently are hooking up. Some of them are people that like have feelings for each other. One had a feelings for one at one point and doesn't anymore. And now the other one has feelings for it. Like there's all these like little individual universes Mm -hmm. between each individual in this like group. And I sort of had a like garden state moment where, Mm -hmm. you know, when that, um, when he's like sitting on the couch and it's like, he's, going regular speed and everyone around him mm-hmm. is going super fast. Iconic scene. <laughs> I sort of just like had that moment on the couch where I sort of like, like the world of like human relationships, like hit me all at once. And, um, the fluidity of that and the, like the intensity of that and how important certain things feel at certain times. And that like a year later, you're like, haha, I can't believe I felt that way. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, you and I are a good example of like, we felt an intensity that we've only ever built on. Yeah. Um, it just all like very much, I'm a person who has spent a lot of my life kind of like, with this like assumption that there is something to pine for. Mm-hmm. And often the things I'm pining for are like accomplishment based. And mm-hmm. um, the things I pine for are like um, relationship based, but not even in the right way. It's like, you know, being chosen, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of hit me that like, 
what an accomplishment. Like, you know, if, if an accomplishment is what I'm chasing, like what an accomplishment to like be in a community of people to have fostered community at all in a yeah. capitalist society that like will do everything in its power to keep us from building community yeah. and, and keep us in a rat race against each other. Like what an accomplishment in and of itself to even like be in this room with this like community of relationships all around me. Like it's like I saw like ribbons tying people yeah. together with like their own, their individual friendships and relationships oh, it's to each very other. Very Taylor Swift invisible string. Yes. <laughs> and like, so, you know, what am I pining for? If not, like I already like the sense of fulfillment in just this community is something to be proud of and yeah. like, and, and see as an accomplishment, but not a personal accomplishment. Cause in this society we're obsessed with personal accomplishment. Yeah. It is an accomplishment of everyone involved. Totally. It is a like collaborative accomplishment. And then also like, what am I pining for when it comes to like individual people? Like when I'm like, you know, when I'm obsessed with like a crush on someone or mm -hmm. if, if I'm in like an actual relationship with someone, the amount of like power I've put, I've put into individuals for mm -hmm. my own like happiness when like there's a world of like human relationships around me that like every single person is like another person that you can share a connection with no matter what that might be, not mm -hmm. always romantic or sexual, but like any kind of connection. Um, I don't know. It was like a, it was an epiphany about like multiple things, but like it all kind of boiled down to like what an, an immense honor it is to be in an actual community of people that love each other and how much that fulfills so many of the things I thought I've been chasing. Yeah. Um, so that's my keepsake. I love that. <laughs> um, I wish we could like bottle up this feeling and like, you know, drink it every time that we're. We can. It's called microdosing on mushrooms. I mean, um, true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, no, microdosing on mushrooms just gives me restless legs and makes me cry. So happened yeah. to me last night. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, fully a joke. I didn't no, I I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Any drug can give you like that feeling. No, I know. That was a feeling um, in and of Molly. itself. Yeah. It's called MDMA. <laughs> um, MDMA. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, my mistake this week. Um, Let's see. I kept joking that a lot of things were my mistake this week because I kept making like stupid little mistakes. Um, and that's like a great sign for, you know, just like where I'm at right now because yeah. I just kept being like, oh, I guess this is my mistake because yeah, I haven't made a mistake yet this it's been week. hard the last few weeks to find. Um, I mean, I'm mistakes. making mistakes. No, I'm definitely totally. I'm like my money management is not great right mm -hmm. now. I'm sister. I'm I haven't like fucked up my life, but yeah. it's like if I were to keep I'm my avoidant personality is coming out uh -huh, right now uh -huh. um in all this like woo woo love I feel in these other areas of my life uh -huh. I'm like definitely being like and let's not look behind that curtain uh -huh. <laughs> no for sure for sure <laughs> and it's, it's like just peeking you like peek behind it and it's like JP screaming <laughs> okay I need to add that into the pod <laughs> oh my god 
Um, for those of you who don't know, our friend JP just really has an incredible scream. <laughs> it's like a like little. It's like a mix of like when the witch is making the potion in Snow White and she opens it up and there's that ghost scream mm-hmm. and then a little kid screaming having a tantrum. Yeah. It also kind of reminds me of those plants in Harry Potter that like yes. you pull them out. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that. <laughs> but it's yes. just JP. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I so I guess my mistake is that I've just been like really I, it's like I have identified you know here's here's how I've grown at one point in my life I would just be being a anxious avoidant about money and not even realizing that that's what I'm doing and then just being like ah like I'm broke and um now I at least I'm like I can identify thanks therapy I can I'd be like oh I'm being anxious avoidant right now and like uh-huh. I can I can I can see and feel myself purposefully like not opening up my banking app like I see my old patterns and habits with money trickling back in the second I feel um, not as like comfortable as I did a few months ago. I feel that. And so all of my like progress with my money anxiety, of course, was fine when I was like when you had it chilling. Yeah. No, I got that. And I'm still to be clear chilling, but it's just a little bit less of a like. I just have been spending a lot of money to live my full ass life. Yeah. And I'm I don't regret it. Being this happy is expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> um yeah, money does buy happiness and I have been purchasing 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 so wiping that swipe, card. Swipe, swipe. Yeah, yeah. Cha-ching, cha-ching. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um but yeah, so I guess my mistake is that I've I've both identified and then still not like really addressed um how avoidant I've been with my finances. Yeah. Um I'm like kicking that can down the road a little bit. I keep being like, oh, tomorrow I'll like sit down and figure that out. And then tomorrow comes around and I'm like, well, I should probably research a mistake for the podcast, which like that's the evils of capitalism, right? Like I shouldn't even be worrying about like survival. Um, We should all just be focusing on the things that we're contributing to this beautiful tapestry of humanity. And for us, it's this weird fucking medium of just talking and people for some reason listening yeah but thanks guys thank you <laughs> um so yeah that's my mistake hot um fuck up of the week fuck up of the week i think the fuck up of like the ongoing fuck up of a couple weeks now is how little coverage there is on what is essentially a general strike happening yeah for sure um the workers rights movement is thriving thriving right now or you know on its hopefully on its way to thriving um people are fucking fed up there are multiple strikes happening probably the one that's getting the most press is the strike that's happening in the entertainment industry and on film sets and stuff and the john deere one and john deere but there is like essentially a general strike starbucks is about to strike rumbling yeah Um, um nabisco is still striking yeah um and it obviously there's enough coverage that we know about it but it's not like being talked about in the like sense that like I do think a revolution is afoot. Yeah. Um, and if not, if not a revolution, an uprising uh-huh. of like insane proportion. Um, and I think it's not being covered because more coverage is going to inspire. It. Well, it'll legitimize it and also inspire its own furtherment. For sure. Um, in a way that I think scares the absolute fuck yeah. out of the powers that be. Yeah. Um, and it's something that when we were at Honcho, I remember talking about with a few people 
um, because Honcho was back when we thought OnlyFans was ban- banning porn. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the people I was there with um, and myself included are people that make like our entire livings off of OnlyFans. And mm-hmm. so we were kind of having a meltdown about that because we we're like stuck in the woods with no service while just being like uh, literally the day we arrived at Honcho yeah. is when we found that out. And then it's like, OK, now enjoy three w- three days in the woods without any like access to what the updates on this are. Yeah. And a lot of us encircling the drain about how we felt about how sex workers are treated and how we need to figure out like what we're going to do when we get home and yada yada. Something that kept coming up is like the reason sex work is thriving so much in 2021 and 2020 specifically online sex work is because people are waking up to that. We don't need to like, um, persevere through unlivable working conditions anymore and unlivable wages and sex work has like given people like kind of one possible out from that system. Mm -hmm. And so the reason that I think online sex work is coming under such attack is because it's like this option that's empowering people out of this system that like the more people that are in the system and not complaining about the system, but rather grateful for the system, like i.e., decades now of coal miners wanting to like cling on to their coal mining jobs. Yeah. Not because they love coal mining, but because they love surviving. Yeah. And it's been fed to them that this is the best way to do so. Um, Like the less grateful we feel for the horrible working conditions we're given and the not like next to zero pay we're given for it. Mm-hmm. Um, The more the whole system is likely to collapse. And so something that we were talking about at Honcho is like, Listen, it sucks what's happening to us and our own situation with like OnlyFans. And, you know, thankfully, since then, obviously, that whole thing changed. But um, it's actually kind of indicative of like, I think, a larger workers movement that's like rumbling. And it's weird to realize that we all kind of predicted that in our like kind of like, you know, just in the woods crying about OnlyFans banning porn. Yeah. We were like, I think there's like something huge about to happen because this is like it's not just about online sex work it's about like controlling the working class Mm -hmm. and it's not just online sex workers that are feeling the wrath of how desperately they're losing control of us yeah and um anyway i was like a very long tangent of saying i think that this is something that is like much bigger than a couple of strikes yeah also that wasn't a tangent i think you said that very well thank you you're welcome (laughs) um i yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah. And and I've I've been thinking about it since the OnlyFans thing. And I've been obviously thinking about like workers' rights for as long as I've been like a socialist communist kind of person. Yeah. Um and honestly since my first fucking paycheck, my first everyone's first job is the first time we realize like yeah. damn, we really put up with a lot for money. This is weird. For not a fucking lot of it. Yeah. For <clears throat> like th- that first paycheck. Oof. Yeah. When I, th- yeah, my first, um, my first restaurant job specifically when I saw how much had been taken out for taxes and how much Ugh. I, how little I'd even made that week. I, and, and yeah, I was like, literally fuck this. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Also, I'm like, obviously, you know, if your business is closing down, I feel some, kind of like way for you because that sucks but I have kind of been a little bit satisfied with the fact that like I've been seeing restaurants having to shut their doors because of staffing uh, issues and it's like well that says to me that you're not paying your staff a livable wage 
And one, so they're not coming back. One of my friends who is a small business owner um, put on Instagram, I think yesterday, a couple days ago, um, a really thoughtful food for thought about that um he owns the vermont comedy club nathan hartswick he's a great person one of the people one of my mentors when i first got into comedy um and who started the vermont comedy club because of in vermont seeing like the shitty options for perform like comedic performers to like actually make any kind of real money mm-hmm. Um, and like a huge part of his like journey towards like deciding to open a comedy club was like him seeing all the exploitation that was happening with like paying comedians with like um, exposure and that kind of thing. Yeah. So he like got into this business because of these issues and is now facing the realities of how hard it is to actually be a small business owner and like how hard it is to pay your performers and staff as much as you politically would like to. Yeah. Um, And from what I understand, I never I've, I've performed for them and they, they pay fine for performers, especially for a a relatively new small comedy club, but I've never worked for them as like a part of the staff. But Mm -hmm. from what I understand, they pay a livable wage, but struggle to want to pay more. Yeah. And he posted something on Instagram about how, Um, It's a shame to watch small businesses in the system that we're stuck in struggle to keep their doors open and pay their staff as much as they want to pay them. Granted, for people who actually want to pay their staff well. That doesn't apply to everybody. But for the people who like want to be the change that they wish to see, um, there's a lot of red tape when you're not a major corporation. Mm -hmm. And so it's a shame to be watching these businesses have to close their doors or not pay their staff as much as they wanted to, or downsize their staff when a lot of other places, even if they're facing the same struggles are not like going out of business over it. If they're like a, you know, Walmart or Chick-fil-A or something. Um, and so he's he made up an interesting point that there should be laws in place that these major corporations that are like cutting all these corners um, should actually be subsidizing small businesses. Absolutely. And the same way that we subsidize those corporations by being our tax dollars paying for their employees like food stamps and, yeah. you know, government subsidies, which obviously I have no issue with someone getting government government subsidies if they need it to survive but they shouldn't need it to survive totally if they're working for fucking walmart yeah which is like the richest corporation outside of like amazon yeah in america but yeah. meanwhile all of their employees are on government subsidies so it's like interesting that we're subsidizing you and while we're doing that our small businesses have to shut our doors mm-hmm. and like i do feel for those businesses yeah. a lot however also if you're one of those shitty places that doesn't give a shit about your employees. It is very satisfying to watch those doors shut. No offense. Yeah. Noah's fence. <laughs> Noah's uh, fence is um, absolutely closing those businesses. Yeah. <laughs> we're, sorry, we're going to put Noah's fence up. <laughs> your business is closed. Um. Uh, so yeah, fuck all of that. And the fuck up of the week is for sure that we're not talking about the workers movement enough, but you know, since this is an enormous platform, we're fixing that. Yes. <laughs> Just like we free freed Britney. Britney uh... We're going to free the worker, the labor movement. <laughs> yes. Um, Britney, actually, now that she's free, is going to become a major 
player in the current labor movement. That actually would be iconic. Iconic because she's like <laughs> one of the most like underpaid laborers as in, far as like, you know, what she should have been paid for yes, that time. Yes. Okay, Brittany, think about that. <laughs> think about that. I mean, yeah. While uh, you're writing that book. While you're writing that book, please. We'll see you on the front line. Project Rose. I truly don't know what it does, but this is what it could do. <laughs> what if Project... Well, you know, roses are also a symbol for socialism. socialism. <laughs> so Project Rose is actually Brittany... Oh my God, Comrade Spears. Oh my God. Ugh, Brittany, run for president. <laughs> <laughs> she literally said that she wouldn't recently on a post. I know, like, does I love that. Does that mean that you will? <laughs> I love that. I mean, it was... Ugh, she's just... I mean... I'm so excited to see what is to come for uh, Britney. Same. Because her Instagram is absolutely popping off lately. Yeah. If I do any interviews, what is it? Um, Lord have no, mercy, Lord have mercy on, on my, my family's, family's souls, souls or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, okay. Are we ready for a listener mistake? We are. Listener mistakes. This is a long episode, but you know what? I think it's due time we have a long it is. episode we've had some pretty short ones yeah lately. and i'm having fun yeah uh, and people do they do be asking for longer for apps. longer episodes and our our patreon episode is pretty long too this yeah. week we're just chatty right now <laughs> um we've had a good week uh, a good two yeah or good two weeks two weeks yeah honestly good three weeks good and good month <laughs> good good year <laughs> i was thinking 2021 has been the best year of my life yeah, same, which is funny because I did say that 2020 was the best year of my life and now this is even better. Yeah, no, 2020 has nothing on 2021. Yeah. The only thing that 2020, the only thing that's better in 2020 that, you know, so far nothing in 2021 can compare is you and I telling each other that we're best friends. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, that was... I will say I did it first, everyone. She did. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I may be a, a like fucking headstrong Aries, but I do not, I'm never the first vulnerable one in any situation. <laughs> Um. Okay. Since we've been talking so much about Atlanta Pride. Oh yeah, is this our friend? Yeah. Okay. Who um, said we can use her name? Yeah. Huh? So our friend Recess wrote in their Atlanta Pride mistake. Yes. Which I think is also um, this mistake is very like thematically similar to what we were talking about in nightlife mm-hmm. and like su- being sustainable and yeah. taking care of yourself. So. Hey, besties. So good to see you two living your best lives last weekend. Ditto, bestie. Mm -hmm. Um, My mistake relates to this week's best mistake, which by that was what, last week? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Because it involves um, our BFF acid. (laughs) Um, As a 30-something still trying to have fun and party, I've been navigating my own substance use in party settings and seeing what works and, and doesn't work with my body. While the first night of Pride, I did too much of too many things and ended up in a bad way at the Shopkins party. Mm -hmm. Um, Had people worried about me and missed out on a lot because I was immobile and nonverbal. Oof, been there. Um, Oops. Well, in true bestie form, I thought about my mistakes and learned from them. We love that. (laughs) Night two, I decided I'd stick with a half tab of acid and white claw diet and Mm -hmm. I'd had the best night ever. Mildly tripping and lightly drinking did me so right and I'm redefining what's what is going hard or what going hard means to me and it's so beautiful. Yes. Keep uh, shining freaks recess. Love you recess. Love you recess. Um yeah, I mean hello. We have all been there. Yeah. Um, if you know you know and if you, know, if you, you don't know. you should know. You should know. Um yeah, especially and we don't have to like, you know, delve back into that um tangent that we went on, but yeah, that is like a huge important part to recognize 
when you are active in nightlife um, of just like there's often a sense of wanting to keep up with everyone and then feeling bad when you can't keep up with them. And it's like then thinking you like just ruin the whole weekend or you ruin the whole night. And it's nice to know that you can come back from that. And then the next night. Yeah. Do something. Do have a different cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Or 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 no skip cocktail. it entirely. I did yeah. that on Fire Island this past summer. It's not that I the first night I had a bad time, but I definitely like did a lo- I did like acid and Molly and ketamine, you know, a famous combination. <sighs> famous um, but and it was great. But like the next day, I didn't do a single goddamn thing, including um alcohol. Yeah, and I like still had the best time with everybody, d- regardless of what cocktails they were or were not on. And honestly, that also like made me realize that I think often we're assuming a lot about what everyone else is or isn't yeah, on. For sure. I think a lot of the time people are also in the process of like, you know, as we are a pro partying podcast, PPP, uh-huh. <laughs> um, we are also pro figuring out like your own limitations and not in a bad way. Yeah. And just like what works for you. Don't keep up with any Joneses. There's no Joneses to keep up with. The whole, the entire point of partying is having fun. Yes. So if you're like reaching a drug experience that is no longer fun for you, like tune into that. Yeah. Remember it for next time so that you just have fun. I am notorious for taking a quarter of what everyone else is taking. Yeah. And having the best time to the point where it's like what I'm known for. Yeah. People offer me a bump and they're like, wait, 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 sorry, I'll make it smaller. Because <laughs> I'm like, I want to have fun. Yeah. And I'm somebody who cannot and will not do as many drugs as everyone else is doing. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing recess and keep on taking care of yourself and taking care of um, your, you know, you're fighting for your right to party. Yes, uh... <laughs> and we love that for you. Um, all right, let's thank some patrons. Yes. Uh, thanks. Thanks to our pasty, pasty patrons. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you're probably, you have beautiful complexions, I'm sure. Um, but if you're like me and you're also pasty, <laughs> that's also fine. You're beautiful. Okay. Um, wrote that at, um, what's her name's house? Carrie Fisher. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he was living with her. She, like, would let, like, random celebrities live with her when they were, like, when she was, like, still doing drugs. Okay, that's such a vibe. And he lived with her for, like, a year. And they were just friends. They, like, never fucked. They were just friends. And he wrote that song, Living in Her House. I wonder if they kissed on the mouth, though. I'm sure they did. Kiss your friends. On the mouth. On the mouth. Um, Okay. Um, So thank you, Nolan. Thank you, Nolan. Thank you, Kier. Thank you, Kier. We love you so much. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you, Samantha. Samantha liked the American Girl doll. I loved her. Thank you, Aaliyah Stewart. They're okay. kind of a best bestie, they are to a be best honest. Bestie. They've been with us since the beginning. Been with us since day one, tweeting at us a lot, yes. commenting on the Patreon episodes, replying to stories and it's all been you know if you want a model bestie, bestie. and the way to reach out to us Be like Aaliyah look no further than Aaliyah Stewart <laughs> um, absolutely obsessed with them yes we would love to shout out Graham Drennan thank you Graham um, who also said by the way I love listening to y'all while I'm cooking or working out truly no other podcast is doing it like y'all uh, thank you Graham uh, oh 
It's been so cathartic to hear experiences which so closely mirror my own and those of lots of other hot, radical, queer people. Oh, thank you. Okay, absolutely heart warm. (laughs) I have to go. My heart is too warm. Okay, how many was that? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, that's it for this week's patron shout outs. And we'll shout out five more next week. (laughs) Um, Do you have a deep dive? Yeah. Deep dive. Deep dive. Um, so my deep dive takes place in Providence, um, 2018, 2019, around that time. Um, and there, Providence is like every other city, um, where abusers run rampant, but I think that it is like a notorious like big town um, has a reputation in this area of the country for like really letting abusive men run around rampant. Um, And there was uh, an incident, uh, an experience where I invited a friend out to this dance night called soul power and Mm -hmm. she would always turn it down and I would always be like, but I really want to dance with you. They're like, why won't you come? And finally she let the cat out of the bag and she was like, listen, like I don't go because this person who's always there, him and his girlfriend, uh, they assaulted me mm-hmm. um, during a threesome um, that just went horribly wrong. And I was really, really like the most shocked I've ever been when I found out that someone was abusive because this guy is just like, when you meet him, so sweet and like really like checking in with people. And like, I had never felt now at this point, knowing what we know red flags yes and i just yeah like a super super sweet guy and his girlfriend was like super cool and sweet and they were hot and just like fun people that i was like wow you're a breath of fresh air from so many people in like the party scene in providence Mm -hmm. you're cool um and also at this time i was I had like just kind of gotten back on good ground with a lot of people in this scene. This was kind of like a year after I had been kicked out of the group for being like a fiendy person and a mooch and like kind of all over the place. And I like had like kind of tricked people at this point into thinking that I had my shit together more than I really did. So people like wanted to hang out with me again. Mm -hmm. And so this friend told me about this person and I was like, okay, I'm going to confront this person. I'm not going to tell this person who told me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to, you know, but I'm but I'm going to confront them. So we were at a, an afters and I went up to this person and I was like, I'd been really cold to them at the dance party before that night. And so they knew something was up and they approached me and they were like, what's up? And I was like, why don't we like go? Can I like pull you aside for a chat? Like, why don't we go talk? We'll go for a chat. And I was really calm, but I was just like, listen, like here's the sitch. I like heard from someone that you assaulted this person I'm like good friends with this person um and I just like need to we need to talk about this like what I'm not interested in canceling you but that's like if that is true that's devastating and obviously I believe it's true because this person wouldn't lie about it so like what's up and I was on drugs and I was drunk and I like really wanted to continue being friends with all these people and he you know gave me like a very convincing story Mm. and flashed his smile and batted his eyes. And, you know, essentially the crux of it was, no, no, no. Oh my God. Like, I know that, you know, people think that that's what happened. And I feel really bad that like, that's how she walked away. 
feeling about that experience. And his girlfriend was right there and was like, oh, my God, we've always felt so sad about that. But like, that's not what happened. Like, we were just all on a lot of drugs. And like, it was just like a a thing that like got weird and like things were miscommunicated. And in my drug brain and in my like desire to not fucking, you know, be that bitch again, who was the loudest one in the room. I didn't want to be kicked out of this group. I really decided to believe him Mm. and really tried to like rationalize being friends with this girl and being like, I support you, but also holding on to this like acquaintanceship party friendship with this person and was like, okay, that all sounds correct. And I certainly know I've been there in sexual experiences where I have thought that something, you know, maybe something that was coercive, um, where I thought that something was coercive. I realized later on that actually it was like a weird experience where I, played it you know I had some level of responsibility because at the time I also didn't know the full details of what had happened to the friend Mm. she had been a little bit vague with me about it um and so all I knew is that it was a weird sexual experience that she categorized as assault and so I continued hanging out with this person at like functions and continued partying with them um while also like maintaining a friendship with this person who I'm still friends with to this day luckily um and it took me until another person like almost a year later saw this guy and his girlfriend at a bar and I could see that they were feeling really triggered and I could see that they were looking at him and I was like what's going on and they were like that person assaulted me um and it was the same I had I had eventually got before this had gotten the details from my friend and it was the same exact setup of what had happened to her Um, and so in the end, I did end up absolutely like flipping out on this person and like made sure that anytime they were at a club or a bar, I like made them uncomfortable enough that they would leave. Mm. Um, and like absolutely like joined the the coalition of girlies in Providence (laughs) who like literally the girls in Providence, because we ended up finding out that he had assaulted a lot of girls. They ended up printing out a photo of him and posting it all around Providence and being like, have you seen this person? he's a sexual predator um so luckily like you know in the end I did come out of it calling him out and like tapping back into my integrity that had gone missing um but yeah the mistake absolutely was just my need to be like a chill girl or my Mm. desire to be a chill girl about it Mm -hmm. um which fuck that yeah I mean I think it's a human desire to want people to not be monsters yeah and I don't I like I don't think that it's like you know crazy of you to want to believe the story that it was because there's also plenty of instances where that is actually true True, exactly where there's like something kind of just got weird and like one person feels one way about it but like the other person didn't necessarily like you know intentionally like hurt anybody or whatever that doesn't mean they didn't hurt somebody but like you know there's like We've already talked about it on the pod before that like there are there is some gray area in these conversations that needs to be addressed Um, because the Me Too movement, God bless it for like bringing a lot to the forefront, has turned it into a very black and white conversation that I think a lot of people, the black and whiteness of it discredits it to a lot of people. So yeah. if we're actually going to reach real progress with like caring for each other we do need to talk about the gray area. So you wanting gray area, I don't think makes you like a bad person in this situation. And it's good that you like came around to being like, never mind, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I also think it's very relatable. I think we've all been in situations like that. Yeah. Where we like hear something about a friend and we're like, no, that can't be true about this friend. Uh, Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I don't know what that person is up to. I, the lot, the first time I went home this summer, I walked right by him and his girlfriend on the other side of the street and he immediately averted eye contact. And I, I'm curious if he's still up to his bullshit. And the worst part is that he's a fucking college professor in oh, no. Providence. Yeah. Yeah. He's like one of like the oldest people in the crew of like nightlife. There's no fucking nightlife in Providence, but they love to act like there is of nightlife people in Providence. Mm. It's like him and his girlfriend. Yikes. Yeah. We don't love that at no, all. We don't. And if you're from Providence and you're wondering who it is, definitely feel free to reach out. I'll tell you. Yeah. We just, we can't, um, we didn't say allegedly enough on, on this episode. Yeah. Allegedly this name. all happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That relates. Oh, I should have been thinking about that while you were talking about it, but I was so engrossed in your story. That relates to um, this week's best mistake in that good intentions, wanting everyone to just like get the most out of out of a situation and vibe ultimately culminated in a disastrous, ill thought out mistake. Right. It wouldn't that be the word. Um, What's another word for mistake? We should know that as this is our podcast. Uh, <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah. Catastrophe. <laughs> catastrophe. Yes. Um, that everyone learned from in the end, but some of the damage may never be undone. You know, that's how this relates to the Balloon Fest in Cleveland of 1986. Okay. Yeah. Best mistake. So I posted on my Instagram story what yeah. everyone's favorite mistakes are. Got a lot of mistakes that we've already covered on the podcast. And I was just like, okay, what do you think I'm asking this for? <laughs> I'm not curious about your favorite mistakes. I'm looking for inspiration. Yeah. But more, I think three people suggested this one to me and I never heard about it before. And so I was like, the fact that three separate people were like, balloon fest, balloon fest. I was like, here we fucking go. I have to look up this catastrophe. Um, and it's pretty... Uh, I mean, it's pretty riveting, but also kind of like a short mistake, which is for the best because this is a long ass episode. So <laughs> what? Just laughing at um, the length of this up. Whatever. We have a lot we have to edit. Out no, no, no. I want not laughing in like a ew, laughing in a good. Yeah, way. totally. Yeah. Okay. So Cleveland, Ohio. When I say Cleveland, what comes to mind for you? Um, my, uh, Former friend Katrine's mom who lived in Cleveland. Okay, culturally. Her, her mom who lived in Cleveland. I think <laughs> no, no, I think okay, of like, like I think what? of like waspy okay. people. All right. I think of like, wa- like I think of like Wonder Bread. City of okay, the city of Cleveland. I think of Wonder Bread. I think of uh uh commuting. Okay. Um, so kind of nothing, right? Yeah, suburbs. So like what I'm hearing is a lot of nothing, nothing. comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland was acutely aware of this in 1986. <laughs> um, they were like, nothing comes to mind when anyone thinks of us. And that's embarrassing because we're in the same country as multiple like world wonders. Uh-huh. And, you know, Cleveland's cool. We should bring that to everyone's attention. Um, obviously... The the plan uh, to bring to mind, to, to now finally have something that comes to mind when you mm-hmm. think of Cleveland, um, ended up being a disaster because Cleveland doesn't deserve to be thought of. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I love Cleveland. When we look at the analytics of this episode, that's where a bunch of people drop off. Uh, all of Ohio logs out. No, just kidding. Because Ohio in general knows that Cleveland is not like their cool city. Cincinnati yeah. is cool. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> there's another city that I enjoy in Ohio that now I can't think of which one it is. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Ohio listeners, but you know, you know, you're in Ohio. I also I'm friends with a lot of like so many of my friends are Michiganders uh-huh. and Michigan and Ohio hate each other. So you know, if there's any malice in my voice towards Ohio, it is purely learned behavior through my Michigan friends. I have nothing but love for Ohio. Um, it's one of my favorite states to fly over. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I also drive through it sometimes. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't even say I'm joking. I'm sorry. Uh, listen, listen, I wouldn't wh- even if you sh- pointed out a map of the United States and told me that anywhere was Ohio, you, I would you believe you. You point out Ohio? No. Okay, that's so funny. I don't know ha- that entire region other than Michigan. I don't know where anything is. <laughs> the fact that I mean they are, you know, they're they are in the same region for sure, but um, like Michigan is just like it's like it would be weird if you couldn't point out Michigan. It's like the Italy of America. Well, that's what it's I like mean. Shaped yes. like something exactly. Um, is it Michigan, the Italy of America? <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time it's ever been called that. Um, it's just shaped like a clothing item, yes. and then that way it's the Italy of America. Anyway, Ohio, I'm so sorry. If it's any consolation, there is a video of me doing stand-up where I look so hot and it's at the um, Go Bananas Club in Cincinnati. So I have nothing but deep, profound love for Ohio because my tits looked so good when I was in it (laughs) performing. Um, Also, there's like this random rock in Ohio that is like the oldest um, or one of the oldest uh, like caveman drawings in the world Mm -hmm. and it's in Ohio. Okay. So that's cool. It's weird how not protected it is. It's literally, you can just reach it through a hiking trail. It's not, there's nobody there being like, welcome to the, the famous rock. And there's graffiti on the same rock next to it. Um, so maybe pull that together, Ohio. But other than that, great place. I recently slept in Cleveland on my way home from Chicago. And, um, it was perfectly pleasant. So Cleveland, 1986. Um, at this point, uh, the world record for the largest balloon release was held by Disneyland. Um, and Ohio, like not the, not the state of Ohio, but some people in Ohio were like, how do we come up with a like event um, that will make Cleveland a city that people are like, wow, Cleveland's amazing. So for some reason, the plan was what we're going to do is release a bunch of balloons <laughs> and people will think that's cool and then maybe come to Cleveland. Here's a little pro tip to those involved in this event. A lot of the other places that have cool things that people want to come see, it's not a single event. It's like the Eiffel Tower or the (laughs) Washington Monument. It's not like you're going to have one single balloon release and people are going to be like, wow, we got to go to the place where that thing happened once. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like what? 
I don't under like the amount of time and money that was put into this um, event could have been put into like a cool monument that now people like people want to get photographed in front of like okay, the fucking I, leaning tower of Pisa. Literally on the edge of my seat because I'm so excited to find out what the fuck went wrong with this balloon event. Like how bestie everything it was it was it was the fire fest of 1986. Okay. Um. Huh. So <clears throat> hold on for some reason. The, oh, here we go. So, on September 27th, 1986, appro- approximately 1.5 million balloons were released into the air above the city of Cleveland in an attempt to break the Guinness World Record. Um, it was intended to be a fundraising stunt designed to benefit the United Way of Cleveland and to give Cleveland some publicity. Um, and that intention unfortunately was lost on both counts. Although I guess publicity was garnered. Yeah. Just not the public. Any publicity is good publicity. So maybe whatever. Um, so at the time, the biggest simultaneous balloon launch was held by Disneyland, um, which was one year prior during the theme park's 30th anniversary. Um, so the goals of the balloon fest in Ohio were simple. Raise funds for the local branch of the United Way and publicly paint publicly paint Cleveland as one of America's true up and coming cities. So this was like an attempt to rebrand Cleveland as cool, which I just like cannot stress enough how uncool balloons actually are. But sure, the 80s, I wasn't alive for them. uh, And maybe things were different then. But um, the fact that like environmentalism was already on people's mind in the 80s and there was any kind of PR stunt that was intended to be a good PR stunt that involved releasing that much of trash mm-hmm. into the world is in and of itself preposterous to me. But like the fact that all that considered, it still went so wrong is um, embarrassing beyond belief. So um, it took six months of planning to take the event from concept to reality Um, A large net structure the size of a city block was set up to contain the balloons and it was located in Cleveland's public square. Um, And the reason for the location is that it was like designed to attract a ton of onlookers with like the beautiful city of Cleveland behind Mm -hmm. this event. The net itself um, was designed and built by the same people who built and designed nets at the time for like NASA, mm-hmm. like just like incredibly like high budget, strong grade shit was put into this. Um, and it was like, basically the, the idea is like the net was kind of like suspended from a few buildings so that people would be underneath the net, filling helium balloons and releasing them into the net. And so that they were all like, it goes like, you know, the ground people filling balloons, balloons, the net holding the balloons is like the structure, right? Um, And so then all the balloons are like trying to go further up and it's only when they release the net that all the balloons go up at once. That's the idea. So they had a bunch of um, volunteers. There's this guy who's like at the time one of like the world famous balloon artists, not like balloon animals, but like balloon installations. And he kind of oversaw a lot of this um and there was like a bunch of kids volunteering for united way and they were like sponsored 
um, by like, you know, remember when you were a kid and you were like sponsored for shit where mm-hmm. it's like for every mile I walk, it's this many dollars yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So for these kids, they were like sponsored by their friends and family and it was like a dollar per two balloons or something. And so for the day leading up to it, it was just like a bunch of kids filling helium balloons under this net in Cleveland and for like six hours and they all filled about like 700 balloons or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of technical research and research through the city permits um, was required to do this. Um, it was like a really, really involved planning ordeal. Um, Treb Heining was the man in charge of the balloon launch. Um, And he said, this is a prime example of what United Way is trying to do in terms of saying, Cleveland, it's your time. It's time to say yes. It's time to say it's it's a happening city. We are on the move. It's no longer the butt of jokes. (laughs) So there were more than um, 2,500 volunteers, the majority of which were children. And they all spent the morning of September 27th filling balloons with helium. Local media swarmed the area, interviewing organizers, participants, observers. It was all very like, you know, now when watching that footage, ominous. Um, There was a storm unforeseen with the months and months, like kind of like a wedding. You don't know what the weather is going to be when you plan an event like this outside. And you just kind of have to hope that it's weather ideal for the 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 situation. Um, with a wedding, you can like set up a tent and maybe the photos aren't exactly what you wanted, but you still get married with <laughs> helium balloons. Um, it's kind of important that the weather is exactly what you want it to be. Um, no real room for error as far as that's concerned, because it's really important what the temperature and pressure is with something like helium. Um So with a storm moving in and threatening the event, the officials decided to launch the balloons earlier than planned. At 1.50 p.m. local time, the colorful inflatables were released into the air. Um, It was a beautiful spectacle at first. The crowd cheered. The balloons, like, flew into the sky. And it kind of looked like it was weird to do research for this right after doing research for, like, those nuclear disasters. Because, honestly, like, the swarm of colorful balloons looked very similar to, like, the smoke after a atomic bomb mm-hmm. um like just very colorful and like huge <laughs> and um but i guess you know since it wasn't a bomb it was really beautiful just almost just as bad for the environment though so not that beautiful but whatever um fans and attendants swelled with city pride cheering cleveland's name um There's no mistake on the lake anymore, declared a local radio DJ covering the event. Cleveland has now broken the Guinness Book of World Records and released over 1,500,000 balloons. Um, It did not take long from there for the balloon fest to go from triumph to disaster. Organizers expected the helium-filled balloons to stay in the air until eventually deflating and falling back to Earth. Another thing that happens often with helium balloons is when they reach a certain point in the atmosphere, they just burst. Mm. And then the, um, the like, latex mm-hmm. pieces fall to the Earth. The organizers of the event promised that these balloons are biodegradable as, like, part of the thing that 
made everyone okay with this. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, what they meant by that is that they are latex balloons and latex is technically biodegradable, oh my God. but takes a very long time to do so. Oh like everything is biodegradable, quote unquote. Like yeah. it just, it's about how long it takes to do that. And like, you shouldn't boast something to be biodegradable unless it's like within the year yeah. that it would break down, yeah. you know? Honestly, less than that. It should like be compost levels of biodegradable. But um, so however, a cold front combined with rain caused balloons to descend while still inflated. So they're, they didn't deflate or burst. Just full balloons came no. plummeting back to earth. Oh, no. The sight distracted motorists, causing numerous car accidents oh, my God. in the surrounding Cleveland area. Streets and waterways were clogged oh, with no. full balloons. Um, the Burke Lakefront Airport was forced to shut down for half an hour due to balloons on their runways. Um, a mass of balloons landed on a pasture in Medina County, spooking some Arabian horses. And one of the horses was so spooked that it like ran into the fence and permanently injured itself. Um, and the owner of that horse later sued United Way oh um, for their like very expensive horse being like out of commission. Also, I think just loving their horse and being upset that their horse got injured because of fucking like it rained balloons in the pasture. Um, the saddest and most damning thing that happened, though, was um, what took place on the water of Lake Erie. The day before the event, two fishermen, Raymond Broderick and Bernard Sulzer, had gone out fishing. When they didn't return, their families reported the men as missing, and authorities began searching the lake on September 27th, discovering their abandoned boat um, around the same time that the balloon launch happened. Mm -hmm. The Coast Guard's attempt at finding the missing men um, was completely impeded by both the balloons in the air and in the water. They could not... They could not fly the helicopter because of the balloons in the air. And in the water, what they were looking for was someone's head or life jacket. And all these balloons were the shape of a head and colors of life jackets. Oh, my God. So they couldn't find them. And both men's bodies washed to shore later that week. Jesus. Um, And one of the men's wives also sued United Way for like $3 million, I think. And um, they settled out of court. But... um, Ultimately, between the horse lawsuit, I think some of the people in car accidents sued United Way. Um, This woman suing because of her husband not being found in the water. Um, And then also United Way apparently spent $500,000 on this event. So it was supposed to be a fundraiser. Oh, my God. They spent like way more money than was ever raised. Yikes. What Balloon Fest... 86 did achieve was the title of biggest simultaneous balloon launch and it only appeared in the Guinness Book of World Records once in 1988. Um, the published the publication soon retired the category uh, citing safety concerns. <laughs> Ultimately, the goal was to make like the terminal tower look like a, a cool like you know have all these photos of balloons surrounding their like mm. one building that they have in Cleveland that is like recognizable, which is the terminal tower. Mm -hmm. Those photos do exist. The goal was also to put them in the book of world records that did happen. 
Um, but the goal ultimately was to raise money for United Way to not kill anybody. And um, not that that was an explicit goal. Should have, you know, kind of an assumption. Um, and to make Cleveland cool. None of which happened. Oh um, and multiple people's cars, horses, and lives uh, suffered for the um, event. Oh, jeez. Um, other criticisms that it has received over the years. Helium is a non-renewable um, element. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people just think it was an enormous waste of helium we're never going to get back when there's like real uses for helium in science. Mm-hmm. The, the environmental impact is obvious. Like the, these latex balloons were washing up on Lake Erie shores on both the Ohio and like Pennsylvania side, as well as the Canadian side for years after that. And there's no, like there's no real telling like what that did to the wildlife in the area. And yeah, I mean, it's just generally seen as like an embarrassment and it like kind of made (laughs) Cleveland less cool for a while. Um, Luckily for them, it's mostly, a forgotten about event, but not anymore. Not now that best mistakes has talked about it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that is the balloon fest 86 mistake. Oh my God. (laughs) Hello. Interruption from future Anya here. I realized I did not list my sources. So I just wanted to do that really quick. Um, I got a lot of information from the article, how Cleveland's balloon fest 86 became a public disaster by Corey Irwin on um, ultimateclassicrock.com. I also, Classic Me, got a lot of my information from YouTube videos. So let me list those real quick. Um, how releasing 1,500,000 balloons went horribly wrong. Balloon Fest 86 by the YouTube channel Be Amazed. Um, the doomed Cleveland Balloon Fest of 86 by The Atlantic on their YouTube page. Um, and the story of Balloon Fest 86, a short documentary by the channel Fascinating Horror. All right, back to the show. Moral of the story. I mean, literally, it's like a tale as old as time, I think, which is accept who you accept are. Who you like, are. don't stretch yourself beyond your own limitations. Being uh, cool is a state of mind. mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like literally, and it's like every movie about like a young, like, you know, teenage girl who tries to be cool. It tries always, to be someone she's not. It always ends in disaster. It does. And she has to go on an apology tour, tour like Katie Herring. And, and realizes that she was who she wanted to be all along. All along. Uh, Cleveland, you're a perfectly fine city. Yes. It's like not everybody can be Regina George. <laughs> not everyone. Nor should they be. Exactly. A, a, a country full, full of, of New Regina, York cities. Uh, no way. No way. Unsustainable. Unsustainable. We don't also, need that. I mean, it's, you know, everyone, it's part of a greater ecosystem, you yeah. know? Like the cool cities would be, they wouldn't be cool, be cool without if we the uncool cities. Yeah, it's like we need mid tier cities. We need uncool <laughs> cities. We need cities you've never heard of. Yeah. As much as we need cities like New York and LA. And from what I understand about the people who choose to live in places like Ohio, that's what they like about exactly. the city. Yeah, they so want the low key. Who are you catering chill. to? Yeah, like who is this for? Um, yeah. Also, moral of the story is like just have any kind of foresight at all. Like it's so. The fact that they were like shocked that the lake got fucked up by this. It's like, yeah, this is a city on a major fucking lake. 
and you're releasing plastic into the fucking atmosphere for a publicity stunt. And you're like, oh, no, there's no way we could have seen oh my God. the environmental impact of this. Like, shut up. I hate that. <laughs> Ew. Uh, ew. Uh, grow <laughs> up. <laughs> like, seriously. Moral of the story is if you're going to go to Ohio, go to Cincinnati. I love Cincy. One of my favorite cities, truly. And knows exactly who she is. Yeah. Cincinnati is not trying to be anything that she's not. She's just weird and cool. Yes. She's uh, got a lot of weird, cool, punk, underground, like, art scenes in it. Um, Really good food. And um, doesn't Cincinnati have the original Brooklyn Bridge? Oh, I don't know. What do you mean by that? Um, they like built a prototype of the Brooklyn Bridge before building it here. And oh. I think they built it in Cincinnati and oh, it's still there. So cool. I didn't um, know that. Hold on. Let me see. Which bridge is it here that was built by? Well, I'll look that up later. But there, I think it was a Brooklyn Bridge that was originally built by her husband and then he died. So she finished it. Oh, I don't know. It might but be the Williamsburg. Um, uh, the Covington and Cincinnati Suspension Bridge. Um, also known as the John A. Roebling sus- Suspension Bridge, goes over the Ohio River. Yes, that Cincinnati. was it. It was uh, her last name was Roebling. Oh, yeah. so is it this one then? I'm pretty. I don't want to. I'm pretty sure, but I'm. I want to fact check before I say that. I'm pretty sure that that is it, though. Well, in any case, it's very cool to be in Cincinnati and like just see the exact same bridge. Wow, because it's that. a completely different city. It looks so different from New York, obviously, yeah. but like there is one bridge that is identical. Huh. And it's the first Brooklyn Bridge. Wow. They were like, who cares if this bridge isn't perfect? It's just people in Ohio. Let's make sure we we get it right before <laughs> before making people in New York cross it. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ohio. I have never been and will at some point maybe when yeah. I fly over it to get to another state. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Ohio a ton just because I've driven to and from Michigan so many times. Yeah. No, I'm sure I'll have like a layover there at some point <laughs> when I go to the West Coast. <laughs> no, the truth is you're going to have a layover in O'Hare, which is mm. in Chicago. Oh, OK, cool. So you're, if, if your only plans to I have visit had a Ohio layover actually is, in Chicago. In, yeah, in it's O'Hare like already. It's, O'Hare is like the layover fucking queen. Yeah. Everyone goes to O'Hare to lay over. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great airport to lay yeah, over it's in. Pretty. It's got like it's really pretty. It's got a lot of food that's good. Lots of um, stores. A lot of a lot of shopping to be done. O'Hare once again knows her place. Yes. Uh, She's like, "Yeah, Chicago's cool, and if you're here for Chicago, that's great, but also you're probably just in this airport for a few hours and yeah. let's give you a nice air- airport experience." It's like Orlando uh International MCO Airport. They really know what they're there for. Yeah. They lay over to Disney or it's like a stop to Disney or my God, some of the best stores and food. Yeah. On your way to visit grandma and grandpa. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, I mean, that's it. What a what an app! What an app! Now go kiss your well. Go write us a mistake. (laughs) Yeah. And a review. We haven't had a review since like July, I think. Oh, damn. Really? Guys, yeah. write us a review. What's the last, happening? The last review we had, I think, was from one of our besties who said that they um, like were on a road trip recently. Oh, cute. Yeah. Write us a review. We love that. We do. Um, five stars, preferably. Yes, please. But, you know, less if that's your truth. But if that's your truth, stop listening. What's, <laughs> what's going on? Uh. Um Subscribe to our Patreon. Yes. Uh, um, Patreon.com slash Best Mistakes Pod. Pod. Subscribe to our OnlyFans. Subscribe to our OnlyFans. Really bankroll our lives, please. Please and um, And 
first and foremost, and most importantly, test your holes. Test your holes. Test, test your, your drugs. drugs uh, and kiss, kiss your, your friends, friends on the, the mouth. mouth. With tongue, maybe. With a little bit of tongue. Or more. Or if more. If that's what feels right to you. <laughs> to you both. To, yes, to you both. <laughs> Bye. Bye.